Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast, presented by Jersey Mike Subs of Chapel Hill. Get 15% off your online order with a promo code HEELS15. Go to jerseymikes.com slash order now. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast, sponsored by Jersey Mike Subs of Chapel Hill. I'm John Siegley, your host for this one, joined by our dynamic duo of former UNC linemen, one on the defense, one on the offense, Mike Ingersoll and EJ Wilson. Guys, before we start talking about Duke, how's life going for you guys? Uh, you know, coping with Carolina only having one win on the season so far? It's it's not good. It's It's been very bad for me. Uh, I, I kind of have people ask me every day at work, what's going on with Carolina? And they're kind of acting concerned, but I know it's just kind of poking the bear uh, because they know I'm I'm diehard ride or die. I actually wore my shirt from the uh, Meineke Car Carol Bowl today uh, with the <laughs> UNC helmet on it. So I just kind of wanted to make that a show of good faith because some of those Virginia Tech alum around there are still feeling themselves, feeling themselves from that game. But I kind of feel like since I'm moving back to North Carolina, I may be the bad luck uh, charm for the team, but who knows? But uh, e- either way, it's been, it's, been a diff- it's been difficult to deal with. I mean, like going into this season, EJ, was there any scenario that you could have foreseen that Carolina would only have one win going into their last three games? I'm not imaginative enough to make up some of the stuff that's been happening to us this year. Like, I still have people every day, like, um, that when they found out I played uh, football at Carolina, they'd be like, whoa, what happened to that fumble? That was the craziest fumble I've ever seen. Or, uh, or for for me, I guess one fan theory is that Nathan uh, Elliott may have some of our quarterbacks cursed because it seems like <laughs> anyone they try to sub in for him ends up hurt. I mean, that's that's three quarterbacks. I think it's probably more than a coincidence at this point. But yeah, I, I couldn't have I, I couldn't have even made this up. <laughs> I know, Mike. Let's get let's get your thoughts, man. One win on the season. I mean, like, what are the odds of this happening to you, dude? To me? Well, like I mean, just I- like. Like, like the overall odds, like what do you think that they would have been at the start of the season? Oh, I predicted they could win eight games. I didn't realize, you know, and, and I, listen, I'm not going to sit here and it is not my prerogative and it's not my MO to sit here and trash players. Nathan Elliott has done the best job he can, okay, and that's unfortunately that's resulted in one win. And it's not all on him, but our quarterback play just it, re- it just it hasn't been that good. He's done some good things. I, I try not to be critical of individual players because I know how that felt uh, you know, when people who didn't know me were being critical of me uh, and had never met me or really even watched my film. I'm not going to sit here and criticize the kid up and down, but he is the quarterback, and he's done a very good job of answering questions from the media and taking the questions as they come and being available after every game and after every performance, and he, he takes it on the chin, and he's, I mean, he's a man about it. and he's, he's a pro when it comes to that stuff, when it comes to handling – Handling, handling the scrutiny. I give him credit there. But I, I thought this team was 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 an eight-win team for sure. And based on the way our defense has played most weeks, we've had an opportunity to probably win eight games if we would have had some offensive output. What's insane is that we've gone through four quarterbacks this season, and 
three of them have gotten hurt and we were producing with all three. And unfortunately the one that we just can't seem to get the offense going with Nathan, um, he's, he, he's the guy, he's the guy that, you know, that, that we're left with. And maybe now, because there's, I, I don't, I don't know what was, I, I don't know what's going through the kid's head. I know it was always hard for me to play with somebody you know, breathing down my neck. I felt like I had to look over my shoulder. I felt like if I made one mistake, I was going to get pulled out of the game or, you know, lose my spot. You know, I've, I've been in those situations. I've also had job security uh, where I knew I didn't have to worry about that. And it's, uh, it's difficult to play under the former circumstances uh, when you're, when you're looking over your shoulder and maybe there was a little bit of that going on. Maybe he'll be a little looser now and he'll be that kid we saw against Pitt last year and, you know, uh, lighten it up and, you know, for a few games and, and the kid that these coaches have seen in practice, because obviously they've seen something in practice that made them confident enough to make him the starter going in despite clearly three very talented backup quarterbacks. So I'm just very surprised. Um, I, I never thought, I never thought this season would go this way early on. I thought, you know, we might be scrapping for a bowl, you know, the last three weeks of the season, but I didn't think we'd be uh, bottom dwellers and, and kind of looking up at everybody else at this point. One win seems nuts. Yeah, I mean, let's go ahead and start talking about Duke, and let's start there with the fact that the Blue Devils are 10-point favorites over the Tar Heels in football. I mean, <laughs> to, like, yeah, to, to that, it's you either laugh about it or you just cry. Like, do you guys ever recall, EJ, let's hear from you first, since Mike, we just got done talking to, have you ever remember a time when Duke was more than a touchdown favorite over the heels on the gridiron? I don't remember it at all. I'm still adjusting to the fact that they be that they be favorites at all. I mean, yeah, but they're actually <laughs> winning football games. Yeah. Exactly. And I was just we were kind of talking before we started recording. It's just crazy to me that. I mean, even the, the first time that they beat us back in 2011, I mean, I, I I will admit that I got emotional about it because it's like, that's one thing. If, if there's one thing, no matter how good or bad we were at Carolina, one thing is is that we own Duke. And I mean, and the record speaks for itself. I mean, what what was it over? Uh, they won one game over 21 years, I think you were telling me, John. So this yep. is it, it's absolutely crazy that this would happen. But to be a whole touchdown, like, that doesn't seem like much, but in the eyes of the, the Carolina faithful people who've been following this program for decades now, it's really a change of the guard. And it's really something that's, I, I, I'm not, I don't want to get used to it. I'm not willing to get used to it, but kind of seeing it, no matter what, no matter what Duke's record is, Duke could be undefeated when they play the play us. We couldn't have won a game. And I still will be upset if they beat us. It's just one of those kind of things. I mean, I do respect them and I respect with the way they turn the program around, but it still hurts. And it's kind of odd to see them, kind of be be dominant over us over the past few seasons like they have yeah four and two against carolina over, over, the, over the last six mike let's get your thoughts there man what what did what was your reaction when you saw that the spread was as high as 10 points well objectively it didn't surprise me because it doesn't surprise me that we're dogs at all this season i mean we're one we're one and seven football team and to be double digit dogs against a, a well-coached fundamentally sound football program uh if you would take the school name off of the stat sheet and just showed me the um showed me the projections and showed me the roster and showed me the production this season i would tell you yeah we're probably at 10 point we're probably looking at a 10 point deficit uh in terms of projections against whatever team this is and then you tell me it's duke yeah it it hurts that it's duke but objectively it's not a it's it's not it's not outrageous listen we're going to be two touchdown dogs to state 
Um, mm-hmm. We'll probably only be seven to 10 point favorites over Western. Um, you know, this is, this is the world that we find ourselves in, but EJ said it right. There's been sort of a changing of the guard the past few years. And, and I'm not, not just like EJ, I'm not ready to become comfortable with Duke being one good at football, two beating us right now. I like David Cutcliffe. I would send my, I would let my son play for David Cutcliffe. Um, I would let him be a part of that program. And I'll say that publicly now. Um, I think David Cutcliffe is a, is a good man and he's a hell of a football coach. And what he's done at Duke is, 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 is impressive. Uh, the most thing he's done at Duke is that he stayed there when he had an opportunity to leave and go back to Tennessee to be the head coach there. Yeah. Um, he, he showed he showed who he was and what he was when he stayed at Duke. And they've had success under him, and, and, and they've put guys in the NFL, and they've had all-conference players, and they've made the conference better by Duke being better. And I'll give them, just like EJ said, I'll give them credit. You know, they deserve credit there. But in the same breath, listen, man, I have spent since 2006. I have spent countless conversations explaining to people that Duke Carolina is not Duke was not my rival in football. State is my rival. Duke, I had no qualms with Duke. I had no issues with Duke. I never lost to Duke. Um, but I will say this: I was waiting for when this shift was going to happen because, yeah, we were beating Duke every year, but they were close. Uh, in 07, we won because they missed a last-second field goal that was a chip shot. It was a 31-yarder, I think it was. I mean, I, I could have made that kick, right? Barely beat him in 07 at home. Um, 2010 was a tight game my senior year. 2009 was another hard-fought tight game. It seemed like every year, no matter how bad Duke was, they were difficult to beat. Um, I don't know if they played up for the Carolina game or what it was, but – they were always the most fundamentally sound, well-coached team, even under Ted Roof. Um, tough, feisty, gritty players that I had a lot of respect for because it's hard to play that hard when you know your program is terrible. And they always seem to show up against us. So I've been waiting for this, as EJ characterized it, this changing of the guard. Uh, I've been waiting for that for a while. All right, EJ. So you heard Mike talk about you know his feelings here briefly about the rivalry between Carolina and Duke. And I feel that it it is true that NC State is viewed, I think both by fans and by players in large, as the football rival. Now, your first year at Carolina, EJ, was 04, right? Your freshman year? Freshman year was uh, 2005 when I I read your Okay, here. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Well, and so in 04, Carolina won 40 to 17. In 2005, Carolina won a squeaker 24 to 21. You know, you talked in our Virginia podcast about how you know Virginia was kind of that team that stood out to you, especially because you're from the state. What did what was your sense of the Duke game, though? Like well, the teams that, that you were part of, you know, did y'all like get up for those really at like on a level of hype to maybe Virginia Tech or, you know, is it just more along the lines of, hey, it's Duke. We should beat these guys. Let's go out there and do our jobs. I think the rivalry really transformed, especially the way the team was viewing it. So uh, take, for instance, uh, under the in the Bunning era, my uh, my freshman, my what, yeah, red shirt freshman year, it was kind of a battle of the bottom feeders, to be perfectly honest with you. Like, we really got up for the Duke game because we didn't want to be that one worst team in the ACC. <laughs> I mean, and, and that's the God honest truth. Like, it was really, I'll call those years the battle, battle of the bottom feeders. 
income enter the Butch Davis era, I mean, it really was kind of it, it really was kind of us. Okay, we're we're learning. We know what we need to do. We know we can be a good team. We need to go out and, and dominate that team. And like Mike mentioned, it still was a very close game when we played them. So now you fast forward to two thousand eight, two thousand nine, my junior and senior year. We're looking at this thing completely differently because the, the guys that enter uh, college the same year as us and our class at Duke. These guys were playing. This was uh, Michael Tauili Ely, uh, guys like Thad Lewis. Like, these were guys who were legitimate uh, players and even up for some preseason all-conference awards in the ACC. So, we see these guys out in the weekends. And, I mean, they, I mean they'd be trash talk. So, we kind of got up, got up for the game, not necessarily the same way we view State, but it's more so like, okay, we're fairly friendly with these guys. But we still want to beat just for bragging rights because we're in such close quarters with them. And to be honest with you, we were all competing for the same women, so we wanted to have that that bragging right. I mean, we yeah, could sit yeah, here and we, act like we could act like that's not a part of it, but it is. And we had one tight end that we that you and I are are are, are exceptionally close to, who may have uh, actually won that battle with old Mike Teeley. I think he won. I, I, I call it a solid victory, but, but anyway, so you fast forward to those times. I mean, it really just, we just wanted to win. I mean, we wanted to have those bragging rights. We wanted, especially my senior year, I knew I was going to see all those guys at the combine and you don't want to go to the combine and be, Oh, you're, you're, you're the team that lost to Duke. Duke's bad. How did you lose to Duke? Yada, yada, yada. So I think it really transformed. It went from being a battle, battle of the bottom feeders to really competing against your friends, kind of a more of a sibling rivalry. Gotcha. Well, hey, before we continue the talk, let's take a quick commercial break here to go over the great code HEELS15 because that is the that's the way that our listeners can get 15% off of their orders from Jersey Mike Subs of Chapel Hill. You can use that code for any online order at the Chapel Hill, Hillsboro, and the Chatham County locations. They also have the new location in Chatham County. It's only a 12-minute drive from, from the heart of Chapel Hill right down 15501. On the way for anyone coming to Chapel Hill from Larenburg, Pinehurst, Southern Pines, Sanford, or Pittsburgh. So you when you use that code to get heels15 to get that 50% off, you go to jerseymikes.com slash order, click the location nearest to you, click order, pick your favorite sub, and at checkout, enter heels15 and get that 15% off of your whole order. You get to skip the line, head straight to the register, grab your food, and you're on your way. Do today, place that online order at one of the five Chapel Hill, Hillsboro, and Chatham County locations. It's super easy process. Just remember the code HEELS15. And also look for Jersey Mike's inside of Keene Stadium and with the tailgate guys this fall. So support the IC Podcast and get that 15% off of your Jersey Mike's order. It's a win-win. All right, guys. So let's go ahead and start talking about the Duke players because, you know, it's kind of a dirty little secret that on the basketball side, you know, Carolina and Duke, that's that's the rivalry. I mean, it's one of the greatest rivalries in sports. You know, the, it, it just it's a fact. However, you know, those guys actually hang out like I know that from personal experience that that the basketball team, they're kind of tight with each other between Carolina and Duke. Now, you got a couple guys that just hate each other. But for the most part, you know, those guys, there's not that same level of animosity. So y'all were talking about seeing the Duke football players around. You know, how, how did the players view it? Like, did, did you guys? Was it kind of like, like you said, just bragging rights, or was there some true hatred thrown in there for 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 good measure as well? I think that it, it was a lot of bragging rights, and I think that, like you said, there are all those certain players that that you didn't get along with. For instance, as Mike got alluded to, uh, Mike uh, Tawili Ely, I was cool with Mike. One of my other teammates, 
actually had a pretty heated on the field and off the field rivalry with them. So I guess it's, it, it all depends on who you are. And a lot of these things you, you kind of see, like I know a lot, there's a lot of crossover there with the athletes hanging together. Like when I was in college, the, the Duke basketball players and UNC basketball players weren't as friendly. And I think that's evident by some of the stuff that we saw on the court. But for us, like I said, I mean, we we kind of were in the same position, so it was more so of encouraging uh, encouraging each other amongst the teams. And I know a lot of fans don't want to hear that, but that's the God honest truth. I mean, they were going out and they were practicing hard. They were working hard just like we were. And uh, during that time period, like I mentioned, during the Coach Bunning era, we really, really were coming up short just like they were coming up short. So there was that bragging right. It really was a race to like – like Mike said, we all saw Duke, the change, the changing of the guard kind of coming. We saw them rising as a program with some of the talent they were getting in. And then when Coach, Coach Cutcliffe came in, he just really changed the game. So it really was a race to see who would turn that corner and make that improvement fast. Uh, we had some early success, of course, uh, my last two years there and uh, some early on in the Fedora era. But since then, I would have to say that 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 Duke really has turned the corner and it looks like they're going to be a permanent fixture. So, Mike, we heard, you know, EJ said that, you know, the there wasn't a whole lot of love lost there from between Carolina and Duke outside of the football stadium. You know, do you ever have a, a memory or can you recall something that we can say on the podcast when maybe some Duke football players came to Franklin Street and uh, ran into a group of you guys that were also maybe enjoying a Saturday night there or anything along those lines? I mean, we we mixed with those guys. Um, I, mean, I remember the uh, a group of them came rolling into La Res one night. Uh, I think it was my senior year, and uh, and I didn't I didn't know a whole lot of them personally. Um, it weren't it, at least it wasn't the guys that I knew from the team. Um, but it it th- things got a little it was a little awkward, right? It was like two packs of dogs standing there and trying to f- figure out what the other is doing in their area and not wanting to make a scene, but also sort of confused as to what, what, what we were looking at. I'm like, what are you guys doing here? And they were looking at us like, uh, Oh, what did we walk into? Cause I don't think they knew that that was the, that that was the athlete bar back then. Um, so it was, it was just, it was a, it was just an uncomfortable situation, but I mean, there was no, um, there, there were no actual uh, conflicts or anything, at least not from my end. It wasn't, it wasn't like when we saw, uh, guys from state coming to Chapel Hill or when we went to Raleigh and saw guys from state, there were legitimate issues. Uh, yeah. in some of those, some of those interactions. Oh yeah. Well, we'll, we'll get to some hate week talk in uh, two weeks now, actually, when the, when Caroline prepares it to take on the Wolfpack. Um, what about like you guys going to Durham, you know, Durham as a city has kind of really changed over the last five, 10 years. You know, Mike, when you were playing, did y'all ever have really a reason to go into Durham at all for like to hang out or, you know, go walk around, anything like that on a, on a weekend? No. Well, the reason we saw guys from Duke in Chapel Hill and on Franklin Street was because the only bar they had over at Duke was Shooters 2. And that, you know, we turned that into our bar twice a week. Um, <laughs> that was it. Was, you, you didn't go to you didn't go to Duke University for the for the exceptional nightlife and entertainment around the surrounding town, right? You want to Duke university because you're a nerd and you wanted, you wanted a Duke degree. That's why you went to Duke. You went to Carolina because you were also a nerd, but at least you were a cool nerd and you wanted to have some fun. So, you know, we would see those guys in on Franklin because there's just nothing to do in Durham. Now, obviously Durham is a totally different animal. Now, uh, when I was back in law school, I went to Durham frequently. 
uh, because there's a lot of breweries, there's a lot of new restaurants, there's a, a whole revitalization of the downtown area there in Durham that's, that's pretty awesome. Uh, so it's a different experience for the kids that are in school at Duke now than it was when I was there. But no, man, you stayed you stayed the hell out of Durham when you were when, when, when we were in school, and I'm sure for all the years preceding that too. As I say, EJ, you were only there for one year before Mike got into town. You know, was your experience the same as far as when it came to traveling to Durham? Yeah, yeah, we didn't go to Durham. I mean, it <laughs> wasn't exactly safe for for any place that uh, I would have went to. Wouldn't have been the safest place. Uh, probably <laughs> would have set an alert off at Keenan Stadium that uh, one of your players is somewhere where he's probably going to end up on ESPN, or if we had TMZ back then, probably TMZ. So, we I pretty much stayed in uh, in Chapel Hill for the most or part. News fourteen Carolina. Exactly, exactly. I, I, I stayed in Chapel Hill. Uh, easiest way to avoid getting a DUI. <laughs> there you go. I know, right? Uber, man. Changed the game, but it was not available was back, no Uber then. back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you would call Tar Heel Taxi and wait for three hours, and they never show up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're, busted, they're busted-ass Crown Vicks with the torn-up seats. They're nice people, I guess. Not really. <laughs> they're nice people. <laughs> nice. All right, let's talk about on the field now, guys, because you know when it comes to teams kind of maybe playing with a chip on their shoulder, it's like you guys have said, You know, the, the Duke games were – they were close a lot of the times now that may have been due to an overall kind of lack of skill on both sides of the board for certain matchups, but you can definitely call them chippy and that's probably being generous to what actually happened. You know, EJ, since you were on the defensive side, let's start with you for this one, man. You know, those Duke offensive players, how would you rate them in terms of like being potentially dirty, getting away with stuff? Like were they ever a team that was on y'all's radar for, for pulling crap like that? No, I, I wouldn't say that they were dirty, but they played a little bit harder. They they definitely walked the fine line. They didn't do anything that would piss you off, but they did a lot more. They didn't allow you to kind of to 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 kind of ease into the end of a play. I mean, you had to go literally play you had to literally play through the whistle when you were playing against those guys i mean that was their super bowl back when i was playing them that was their super bowl that was the most important game for them during the year for one they thought it was winnable because every game we played against them was close and it was right in their own backyard i mean they they could lose every game but if they said that they beat carolina then that's a success that was a successful season for them back then i mean of course things have changed now but I wouldn't exactly call them dirty. It was very chippy. Uh, it was very uh, – I think some of those guys played well above their talent levels on the offensive line uh, than, uh, than they had during the season. So I think you could definitely tell that there was their Super Bowl. As far as the skill players, I always thought that Duke had uh, had good skill players. I mean, the running backs that they had while I was there uh, combined with Thad, uh, they, they had a lot of decent players in the skill positions, but the the offensive line, I would say that they were average at best, but they they always tried their best to to play hard against us. Maybe it had something to do with the fact that our defensive line was kind of hyped up uh, the, my last couple years there, or what. But it was just their Super Bowl, and uh, they they didn't they didn't hide it. They said we're going to shut you boys down today, or we're going to. Especially when Marvin was there, they loved talking trash to Marvin. So, but everybody <laughs> did. But <laughs> yeah, uh, so yeah, they, they definitely won dirty though. All right, Mike. Now, what about you on the offensive side? You know, what you guys ever notice about that that Duke defense? Same type of thing. Anything kind of that cross the line, or was it just chippy and that standard kind of rivalry mentality? No, it was it was it was chippy in that it was a 
fundamentally sound game, and those guys are always coached very well. So it's frustrating when you're playing against guys that are that are coached well that have it. In, when you have four dudes across from you that all have a high motor and all they know how to do is give the best effort they can because they're not the most athletic, you're going to have four try-hard D linemen across from you, and try-hard players suck, right? It's 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 too much. It's a little it's a little extra stuff after the whistle. It's uh, not chilling out, you know, the gentlemen's agreements that happen in the middle of plays or the gentlemen's understandings that happen, um, you know, over the course of a game where if the ball's on the other side of the field, we're just going to chill out. Now, there's none of that going on. It's it's full tilt uh, to the letter of the playbook and to the letter of the technique I've been coached the entire game, and that can just become frustrating. But it wasn't because they were dirty players. It was because they were well coached and they had they had pride about them and they wanted to um, they wanted, they wanted to play well and show out personally. So, you know, they, they stuck to their technique and they stuck to their fundamentals and they increased their motor a couple of notches. And that just made for a very frustrating day for the most part, um, because they, they never seemed to turn it off no matter how many reps they would lose over the course of a game. Um, they never seemed to turn off the motor or turn off the effort, which is, um, you know, it's, it's admirable, but it's also, it can get a little grading for you as a player. <laughs> Kind of like the dog that just keeps on humping your leg and won't stop. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, hum, yeah, humping your leg, but you know the the leg humping involves uh, taking their hands and putting them into, up into your face mask for absolutely no reason, or giving you a little <laughs> shove after a play when you know that they're when when, when you know they're actually soft um, and they're trying to be you know they're, they're trying to act tough for the game. I, I don't you know I don't know, but it was uh, um, it, it, I always had respect for those guys. It was. It was always a high a high effort game. I was more tired after the Duke game than I was after most other games. All right. Let's take a quick second to talk about our friends at HeelsTravel.com. They are the easiest way to book travel to big UNC away basketball and football games. Right now, HeelsTravel.com is offering a package to Chicago to see UNC take on Kentucky on December 22nd. It's going to be one of the biggest games of the entire college football season, so you do not want to miss that one. Visit HeelsTravel.com now or call 336-855-0060 to book your trip. That package includes nonstop airfare from RDU to Chicago, transportation to and from the airport to the hotel, and a two-night stay at the at the Chicago Omni. It's right where the basketball team is going to be staying in downtown Chicago. Great location, and it's also going to be a perfect chance to see your Tar Heels on a huge stage against a named and ranked most likely opponent and check out a great city right around Christmas time. So visit HeelsTravel.com now or call 336-855-0060 to book. So let's go down memory lane, you guys. Let's hear from y'all what was your favorite memory and then what's your worst memory of playing against Duke. Mike, going to stick with you for this one. Let's hear it, buddy. Uh, my worst memory of playing against Duke was when we almost lost in 2007. That's, I mean, that's the only bad memory I could have because they were all wins. Um, but it was, it was almost losing that game in 07. And that was tough to, that was a tough win to stomach because we shouldn't have been in that position, but we were. And it's, it was frustrating and it is frustrating looking back on it. Uh, the best moment was, uh, 2009, we're playing Duke at home. I've told this story before, but you know, I'll tell it again because it's one of my funnier stories on a football field. We're down on the goal line, and me and Alan Pelk are standing there, and Patrick Egbo, number 90. Um, I'll never forget this. Patrick was standing across from me. Uh, he was lined up across from me for most of the game. 
And he's standing there, and we're, we're on the goal line. We're about to punch it in. It's like first and goal. I think they just got hit with a penalty, so we got half the distance. I mean, it, we're going to score on the next play. And I think Tony Elsey actually did score on the very next play. But we're standing there, and defensive line's huffing and puffing. We're coming out of a timeout, a TV timeout. And we noticed that their couple of guys' jerseys are untucked, and they had, you know, anyone who played any sport, you know that your jersey has a little patch down on the bottom left side of it usually and that's you know for us it was and for duke it's a little nike patch well sometimes teams will put little you know like little like team specific specific stuff down there um some teams like the panthers they have the keep pounding patch they have on the inside of the of the back of the collar um, but a lot of teams will put a patch down there by the by the uh by the sponsor logo on the inside of the jersey and duke was no different duke had a you know like a little rah-rah chant down there you know uh, win the day or something and then they had a giant patch that was the same size as the nike patch so we're talking two inches wide by by an inch tall um patch that just said beat carolina on it sewn onto their jerseys and i remember alan pelk looked at it and he tapped me and he said look at their jerseys and i looked down and i just busted out laughing and we got and i looked at cam holland and i grabbed cooper and i looked over at james hurst and we all just started ragging on these dudes because the whole D line had their jerseys out and they had these they had these stupid beat Carolina patches sewn on their jerseys. And we're looking at them like, how important is this game to you that you sewn you sewed that patch on permanently to your jersey in a place where only you know where it is? Like it's your rallying cry. Beat Carolina is your rallying cry. And you're not even an afterthought to us. Like it was just it was it was kind of sad. We took it as sort of pitiful, but we ragged on those dudes. And I'll never forget, Patrick Egbo looks at me, and he just kind of shrugs his shoulders, and he goes, wasn't my idea. And we just lost it. And, like, the, the whole defense lost it, and the offensive line lost it. And then the next play we scored, we ended up beating them. But it was – that was uh, – that that was that was interesting. I've never seen anything like that before. And the first thought I had was, thank God we don't have go to hell state or something <laughs> patched on our jerseys because that is one of the toolish, most toolish things I'd ever seen on a football field. Um, there there were a few players that I thought were the most toolish thing I ever saw too. But that was the most toolish team thing I ever saw. All right, Mike, let's get your memories, man. Worst and best. Uh. My worst memory uh, probably would be his uh, name is EJ, by the way. <laughs> what did I don't, say? Don't don't insult me like that, Seagull. Oh, again. I did say Mike again. I'm so sorry, EJ. I don't know got, which one got got the worst there though. You got yeah, the, I, you I, got, I, def, I I definitely got, got the worst. Though. You got Mike on the brain. I can't blame you, and neither can the listeners. <laughs> I'm leaving all this in, by the way. So, all right, EJ. <laughs> let me do that correctly this time. What's your number one worst memory from playing against Duke, either, you know, game or a particular play? And then what's your best, man? Uh, the worst memory I have against Duke was definitely the 06 game where we almost lost. I mean, I think, Ken, yeah, Kentuan blocked a field goal at the end of the game first to win. And I think it was like it was 40-something to 40-something. Either way, it wasn't pretty. And the crazy thing about it is my favorite memory is probably the same uh, memory that Mike has <laughs> because uh, I think I noticed it that uh, the, the season before 2008, it was in Duke and I just looked down at the patch and like, I wasn't a trash talker, but I ragged on that. Then the whole rest of the game. I mean, it's just, it's terrible. Could you imagine? They had that for multiple seasons. Oh, Mike. Yes. Are you they serious? Did. 
Yeah. Oh, that, that, oh, that was oh, oh this is got so much better. Yeah, I saw it in 2008. And I was like, for imagine basing your whole <laughs> working so hard to do something and then just not and just sucking at it and not being able to do it. Like that 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 that, that was hilarious to me. And that's still one of the more I, I tell that story all the time. Like when people say, Oh, like when I was in the in the NFL and especially when we were in Tampa when I was with Roy and and uh Gerald oh, and all those guys. So they were always talking trash about about, about UNC just kind of jokingly. But I say, well, at least we didn't have beat another team on our jersey. And I would say, who did that? And I I tell them Duke. And it was just I, I think that I couldn't take them seriously with those patches on. Like I, I really could not take them seriously. So that's definitely the best memory I have. And, and can you see now why it's so hard for us to imagine <laughs> Duke beating us when they would do something that petty and that childish? Petty, but oh, definitely petty. my best memory. <laughs> because because I'm petty. <laughs> yeah, I, it and it is something though where you know it's like you guys said that tide has turned and I think it's a big time sore spot for Carolina because you know we were talking before we actually started recording the podcast about this. Larry Fedora is two and four against Duke, so I mean that's by far the worst stretch in like twenty some odd years. You know, it's causing a lot of angst, and he's. This is where if if Coach Fedora is going to turn around the side of the program, in my opinion, it really does have to start on Saturday in Durham. So let's close out the podcast with well, this, this is, guys. This is uh, where the this is where the the decline actually started. It, yeah, so, back in in sixteen, and I was at that game because I was in law school, and I remember me and a couple of my law school buddies went to the game because we got tickets. Uh, through somebody and I was shocked because we were up, we were up 14, nothing. And then we ended up losing that game. And I thought from the beginning, I, I could see the way the team was playing. It, it, I just didn't have a good feeling about it. There were some, some, some small things that were going wrong and things that weren't getting done. And I, and I said, looked over at my buddies. I said, we're going to lose this game. And they were like, no, man, we're like, we were number 15 in the country or something at the time. And obviously Mitch was the quarterback, number two overall pick. I'm like, there's no way, dude. Like, we're, we're going back to the AC championship. Like, it's it's done. And we might actually we might actually beat Clemson this year. And I thought, I don't know about that. And sure enough, we lost that game. And that was – it's well documented. That's the beginning. It was that loss that led to this tailspin that it seems like the program is in. And uh, it's it, it was it was very, very, very disheartening um, being there live. But if you look back, it's pretty incredible how – the Duke game, the team that used to never be able to beat us, is the same team that caused this rapid decline that we find ourselves in. This qu- almost quicksand, this this quicksand decline we find ourselves in these days. Well, and you have to to think that Coach Cutcliffe just loves that fact too. Oh, oh, it's the highlight of his coaching. It's the high. It would be the highlight of any Duke football coach's career. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it, 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 he should be touting that on the recruiting trail left and right. I'm sure he is. Yeah, they are actually recruiting better than Carolina for this upcoming class. So, I mean, dark days right now, guys. But look, if Carolina's better, <laughs> that's all right. If Carolina's going to turn it around, though, what must they do on Saturday? And Mike, since you've been hogging up all the all the airtime today, let's start with EJ. You know, what's your thoughts, EJ man? And <laughs> I mean, look, th- does Carolina have a chance in this one? Do you think? Duke's playing too well right now for me to 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 predict really Carolina to win, and they haven't shown me anything in these last couple of weeks to make me think that they would. I mean, 
of course we went out and we, we played a, put a couple good games in a row. I really wouldn't say the game against Georgia Tech was a bad game. I mean, we just couldn't we couldn't stop the run. I mean, we kind of broke even in turnovers, but it wasn't a bad game. It wasn't a good game, but it wasn't a bad game. But I'm still not seeing anything offensively that would tell me that we're going to win this game. Our defense is okay, and they have shown some flashes of greatness, but I don't think we have a good enough defense to take over and win a game against a team that uh, is playing as well as Duke is right now. So I think that we're going to have to we're going to have to do something that we haven't done all season on offense, and that's move the ball and score points. And if our defense plays to the level that they've shown us that they can play, I think that that'll be the way they will win this game. But I mean, we've done a, we've done a lot of these podcasts. We've done a lot of these predictions and uh, these guys have kind of left me hanging a lot. So uh, to be realistic, uh, I think Duke's going to pull this out Saturday. I, I hate to say that, but I mean, that's just me being realistic. Of course, I'm going to be rooting for my guys until the end, but uh, that's just what I think it is. All right, Mike. Chance to to take us home, buddy. Let's get your thoughts on the game and, you know, provide us with the offensive game plan if Carolina is going to do what EJ said and score enough points where the defense can just keep on their level of play and eke out that close victory in Durham. They're going to have to win on explosive plays. So any play that's 15 yards or more, they're going to have to win on that. Uh, and it's those are going to have to come in the running game and the passing game. It's much more backbreaking for a defense if, if you have explosive, multiple explosive plays in the run game. So you snap off a couple of 12-plus-yard uh, runs in the run game, um, and then you, you pull together some 15-plus-yard 15, 15 uh, completions or touchdowns. That's what's going to – that's going to be step one in winning this game. Step two is going to be red zone conversion. We're going to have to score in the red zone, and it's going to have to be more than field goals. Uh, once we get down inside the 10, we're going to have to punch it in, and we're going to have to walk away with – with 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 more possessions than not with touchdowns, field goals aren't going to win this game. But generally, uh, if Carolina is to win this football game, they're going to have to do it by winning the turnover battle, and they're going to have to score a defensive touchdown or a special teams touchdown or block a kick in special teams along with winning the turnover battle. So if they can turn Duke over, we'll say twice, and we can we can minimize or eliminate turnovers altogether, and we 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 win the turnover battle by a margin of two. And if we're able to score a defensive touchdown, a scoop and score, a pick six, something like that, uh, run a kickback in the kicking game, or even just block a punt or a field goal attempt, um, if we can do those two things, turnovers and some odd touchdown, um, some some non-traditional unexpected touchdown, if we can do that, I think Carolina wins the game uh, because they're going to have they're they're going to have juice, they're going to be amped up, there's going to be testosterone and adrenaline flowing, and you might see Carolina actually play better than they normally do, but that's the only way they're going to do it. Red zone efficiency, we have to win in explosive plays. We're going to have to win the turnover battle, and we're going to have to do something special in the kicking game or on defense in terms of scoring points and uh, it, it basically create an extra offensive possession. That's the only way we're going to win the game. Um, so in short, they're going to have to play a perfect game. And maybe this is the week they do it. Uh, you know, we do, you know I, 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 will, I will tell you that Nathan Elliott is on the field, and he was on the field in the beginning of the season because the staff believed that he could win games for us. Uh, he showed something. He's done. He's done something. We and we've seen flashes of it last year. We've seen a little bit of it even this year. If you've been paying attention, the kid, um, the kid will do things that can put us in a position to win. He's going to have to do it every single time he touches the football. And if he does that, and if if we win three phases, um, we'll have an opportunity to win this football game. And 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 that's that's how we're going to do it. Now, do I think it's going to happen? I don't know. I don't think so. I'm cautiously optimistic. Um, bordering on borderlining on pessimistic, but 
you know, there, there, there is a chance. Maybe, maybe this will be the game that where it started the tailspin a couple of years ago. Maybe this pulls us out of it and sends us back on the upswing. Who knows? Well, Carolina fans certainly hope so. And, you know, it's kind of one of those things where Carolina has figured out a way to basically lose in every conceivable fashion so far this season. Maybe they will figure out a way to actually win a game by doing something unconventional, like you mentioned, Mike. Let's go ahead, though, and call this one to an end. Guys, really appreciate you joining me tonight, and we'll talk again later on next week. Thanks, guys. Wow. Thanks for listening to the Inside Carolina podcast, presented by Jersey Mike Subs of Chapel Hill. Get 15% off your online order with the promo code HEELS15. Go to jerseymikes.com slash order now.